Blog Talk Radio. glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome back to the Cat Skills. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, good evening. How are you doing? How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Great. I'm getting dried Mm -hmm. out. I was outside for about an hour shoveling snow. It's been coming down all day. It's about six inches on the ground. By the time I was done, the first places I had shoveled still had an inch of new accumulation. Wow. Yeah, I saw a picture of it. I looked like a a snow (laughs) person when I got in. It was all stuck in my hair. My hair was all sticking out. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Today it was so sunny here, and I'm like putting soil on the garden, and <laughs> just a different, 
different world over here a little bit right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and looking ahead towards my teaching year, and um, I want to talk about something that's very disturbing to me. And um, mm-hmm. that is that, um, I, and I, I could have this wrong, it's possible, but so far as I can tell, I'm being denied the right to register for the International Herb Symposium as a participant. And I'm being denied the right to have a booth there to sell my my uh, books. And oh, I'm really? thinking that if that's the kind of herbal community that people want to be part of, and of course, this is because somebody spuriously accused me of something. I was never convicted of that. It's completely spurious. And yet, nonetheless, there's this rumor. And so it appears... And again, there's always the possibility that I'm wrong, but it very strongly appears that on the basis of this spurious accusation, I'm now being denied the right to go to a public place, to a conference that I've attended every time it's been held for 40 years. So here's what I think. If you are in favor of this, if you think this is the way the herbal community should be, please get in touch with the International Herb Symposium and let them know how much in favor of this you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just had a really interesting um, interaction with somebody because there was a group that was suggested to me on Facebook, which is called the Wise Woman Tradition Group. And... Um, I requested to join the group because I was like, oh, this looks interesting, a different group that's based on the wise woman tradition. And then the woman contacted me and asked if I was your assistant and said that I might have some ideological things um, that are different from what their group stands for. And and she doesn't know if they're going to accept me. And I looked and I looked and I couldn't find the group again. And I was like, oh, did they – and I was like, are you profiling me? Like, <laughs> it was just really odd, odd experience. And I was just having this conversation right before I got on here. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so wow. That was really that's, interesting. That's pretty interesting, huh, that I make up the term the wise woman tradition and now somebody else is is saying that if you are related to me, you can't be included in that. That is, well, hey, we have a pedophile who was just appointed to the Supreme Court, right? Right, yeah. So, hey, obviously we are in some kind of fantasy land and not reality anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I honor my teachers who always bring me back to the point that these experiences are here to open our hearts to more love. Mm-hmm. This is not an excuse to shut down and to say people are mean. This is an excuse to open up and say, how can I love more? Mm-hmm. How can I expand into this? How can this be for the good of all? And so my vision of how it is for the good of all is that I think we all have a say in what kind of herbal community we're in. And we can see the way the wind is blowing, and we need to make some strong decisions about what we want. It was very, very beautiful to be out in the Seattle area last year with Eagle Song and to have someone come there 
from very far away, from Australia, because she needed and wanted to connect to the wise woman tradition. It's very moving for me to see mm-hmm. that, that this is something that speaks to women's hearts. And I can tell you, I am almost, I am so almost done with the book. Yes! Everything is going very well. I love being snowed in. And, of course, I actually really do like getting up and going outside and shoveling snow for a while because sitting here writing, rah, 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 not good for your, for your cardiovascular system in the least. So shoveling snow, that's good for it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, really still, like, working out on step six. It's over 52 pages now. I'm almost embarrassed. But I think it's going to be one of the real... Um, most useful things and also I've spent most of the day today working on this very short chapter I mean this chapter is going to be like I don't know three or four pages it's a tiny little chapter and I've been working on it hours days months okay decades it's the gap it's the little place in between the first four medicines the ones that promote health and the last three medicines the ones that injure health Mm-hmm. And yet, alternative medicine, pharmaceutical medicine, and deep medicine are the only medicines that most people know. And when the other four medicines, serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, and lifestyle medicine, are added to them, those first four medicines are called complementary. And this, to me, is why it's a revolution, why I want to foment a revolution for us all, because I don't want these things to be complementary to things that are damaging to us. Yeah. The goal is to use those things that save our lives, hooray, they save our lives, and then stop and go back to the first four medicines, which is where we have real health and real wholeness. Yeah, so you can and, tell I'm having a great time writing, and I'm all fired up, and and life is great. How about for you? Yeah, life is good. I there's lots of crazy stuff going on all around, of course, but um, I got to go I, with my family in the woods this past weekend, and I had like this amazing experience that I wanted to share because it was with my son. We were walking the labyrinth, and you know he came up to me and just grabbed my hand while we were walking the labyrinth and it was just so moving for him to like want to like walk this path with me and like and in the middle we met and you know and we like sat there and like put a prayer out for the earth and he was just so into it you know and just having this whole like moment of um you know him really being present with me in that space and and then we uh got to see us the structure of the sweat lodge and I got to explain that to him and and just um having him just be receptive to it and it's a beautiful moment for us thank you for sharing that oh that's Mm -hmm. wonderful and speaking of the sweat lodge um I, I still get people who call up and say I want to come to the moon lodge but is it a sweat lodge no the moon lodge is not a sweat lodge And because the Moon Lodge is not a sweat lodge, um, some women who are very devoted to the Moon Lodge decided to rename it the Red Tent. And one of those is Deanna Lam. 
She's going to be with us at 9 o'clock tonight, or whatever time it is where you are. She's known as the Womb Visionary. And she, along with Elisa Starkweather, uh, started the Red Tent Movement. She's got Red Tents in Every Neighborhood, the Global Network. She's got the Red Moon School of Empowerment for Women and Girls. And she has International Red Tent Day, which is November 8th. Mark your calendar and hang on because Diana Lam is going to be with us tonight. Yeah, and just one more thing is that this week having Diana on here, I'm hosting my first uh moon lodge in my in my home that I've I've done here so I'm really excited about that for the inbox right on is going to be on Saturday this Saturday Oh hooray Oh wow Yeah 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 it's going to it's it's really exciting for me to lead the group and yeah we'll, I think it'll be powerful yes, how many I, people I show know up. it will because Yeah all you need is a circle of women and wow magic happens yeah, I just got um, this book. I I was read uh, Z Budapest. You know, like her, she um, recommended the Book of Shadows for this chant. Uh, what is the chant? But um, I ended up getting the novel <laughs> instead. Read <laughs> <laughs> it, and it, yeah, you, she references you in the back of it for the menopausal years. But um, oh, yeah, oh, far out, far out. <laughs> Jujana wanted you to sing her chant. We all come from the mother. Yeah, and it was. Uh, we shall return. That one? Like no, this one is like. Rain flowing like, through the ocean. But yeah, yeah, I love that one too. Yeah, but this is a that on one. your. Yeah, is that on your CD that you, you made? It is. It is. Okay. Oh, cool. insist. <laughs> and I was happy to have her insist. <laughs> All right. Okay, mm. well, we better get callers here. Um, there are a lot of people on the line. If you have a question for Susan, please press 1 to speak with her. And our first caller is coming from the 917 area code. Hello? Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. Um, I just wanted to thank you first for um, everything that you have, all the knowledge that you've um, given. I've, my life has been definitely changed by your, by your words and your books. So just wanted to say that first. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, I am calling because I have an older cat question. He has a tumor on his eye that's been growing. And I just have a like herb question related to administering herbs to cats. I've been giving him nourishing infusions as we do all our pets. But in terms of like certain things like infection um, with like echinacea, I wasn't sure if um, like an infusion would be the right way to go. Is it, is it better to make a tea? I know a tincture is probably not good. So I just wanted to like a basic, um, your basic opinion on that. Alcohol is definitely difficult for cats, mm -hmm. but it's not uniformly difficult for cats. And the amount of alcohol that we're giving even a human in a tincture is pretty small. 
So what I do, if I want to give a cat echinacea, is I put the echinacea tincture in some yogurt or milk. Mm -hmm. If the animal is so sick that I'm actually feeding them with a dropper, then I will dilute the echinacea by approximately half with the milk or the yogurt. Okay. And that would just be like a, uh, you said a dropper full. I was just trying to write this all down. I didn't say a dropper full. Oh, you didn't. Okay. No, I didn't. I said a very small amount is what I said. So I usually figure my dose of echinacea by weight. Mm -hmm. So how much does your cat weigh? Seven and a half pounds. So I figure a dose is a drop for every two pounds. So a dose for your cat would be four drops. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean about very little? Yeah. Um, along with, uh, uh, may I ask something else? Sure. Okay. Al- along with echinacea, would yarrow tincture also be helpful in a situation like that? And then also would that be Not sure what like that is. Oh. You haven't um, told me anything specific. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, the the first thing I guess is in, um, worried about infection, just because um, the last time he, it had been getting bigger and bigger, it's like covering his whole eye, sadly, and it's bleeding a lot because he he bats it a lot. Originally, I had um, been washing it out with castor oil, and then I had actually shrunk it a bit, which was nice, mm-hmm, uh, which mm-hmm. was good. Um, but and have you considered having the tumor surgically removed? He, um, yes, I would love, to, I really wanted to have it surgically removed, but um, he is 17 and he has also kidney disease, so his um, Got they recommend that it's not it's possible. Good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, understood. Understood. And does it get infected? Well, it does run um, and it's like kind of has goopy stuff a little. Uh, the last time we went to the vet, she she had it was a new vet because our our older vet had had moved away, um, and she had given him this antibiotic that was okay. Um, but then I regretted it afterwards because many other growths started developing within five days of this antibiotic. I don't know if it was related, so I just decided that that was definitely not the way to go. Um, but that he he needs probably something to combat uh, infection but definitely not an antibiotic because clearly that didn't go very well. I hear you. And it is the mistake that humans are most prone to. Mm-hmm. And that is the mistake that if something follows something else, they must be related. Yeah. I jokingly say that I can prove to you that what causes the sun to rise in the morning is the singing of birds because it always proceeds. <laughs> And yet there is not a cause and effect relationship between birds singing and the sun coming up, is there? No. Even though it dependably <laughs> precedes the sunrise, nonetheless. And this is, this is where science is so wonderful. That science, and this is why we have double blind experiments. So that we can see if we can rule out this bias 
to believe another one of my, and this is a true story. Somebody wrote into Prevention Magazine and said, I drank a cup of oat straw tea and then had a heart attack. You should warn people. So I don't truly know that there's any connection between those things. Um, And Yarrow, I think of Yarrow as being a really excellent external application where there's a wound where I want to cut down on pain, where I want to cut down on infection, where I want to cut down on bleeding, where I want to astringe, where I want to tighten the tissue. Mm-hmm. So I bathe wounds in yarrow tincture. Mm. I soak gauze in yarrow tincture and tape it to the wound. I put yarrow tincture on the pad of a Band-Aid and put it over the wound, depending on the size of it, right? Mm-hmm. The other healer for wounds is honey. Mm. And honey helps the skin recohere. If it's skin that's just eroding and can't get itself together again, honey really seems to turn the tide on that. Like for ulcers, to cube it bed sores, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you know a little can... better than I do what mm-hmm. this tumor and the wound that it is causing need. And you might want to go back and forth between this. Mm-hmm. Um, and honey... And cats, that's okay because he's he. Even if I wash it all off, there may be a few drops that he'll lick off. I just don't. I didn't know if that was okay or not. So far as I know, it's quite fine. Okay. There can be botulinus spores in honey, and human infants do not have enough acid in their stomachs to kill them. Mm-hmm. I rather think that a cat's stomach has enough acid to kill them. Okay. Don't you? I don't know that much about, I think you know a lot more about biology than I well, do. Have you, ever, have you ever had a cat throw up? Yeah. Then you know how acidic the, the contents of its stomach are. Mm. That's how we learn. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes, look at this, very acidic. Don't let it lay on the rug, because that rug will be stained, won't it? True, yeah. From the acid. And it's the acid that kills the botulinus. So I I think that this is in a place where your cat can't lick the honey off yet. Um, he could because, I mean, it's right on top of his eye. So it's mm-hmm. like he, he definitely like bathed it a lot. So when I do, I've tried different um, different things with, yeah. with him besides the castor oil. I was trying, trying red clover oil um, for a while just because I had still had some hopes that it would um, shrink the tumors. Um, I also, like, a while ago had made poke oil, which I won't use because I realized that's really potent stuff. Um, but, you know, in my, my original intention was to try to shrink them. But at this point, I think it's just, um, you know, helping him uh, not have as much trouble or pain. Yeah, and more palliative care. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
That's very helpful. Yeah, so I will try the honey, and I will try um, giving maybe a small dose of the tincture. And so you would never recommend tea um, instead of an infusion in case an infusion is, is not able to be made because of the type of herb. It's always a tincture. Did that make sense? Sorry. Um, let me rephrase that. Well, so, I, um, I, I don't understand what kind of herb you can't make an infusion of. Um, you, well, listening to you, and this is not, I mean, there are some herbs that you explained were um, like. They're not like, nourishing herbal infusions. Yes. Yeah. When they're not nourishing, it's best not to make a very strong infusion. Well, so, depends on what you want. Mm-hmm. I've made infusions of herbs that are not nourishing because I wanted that action of the herb. Oh. So sage is a mint. Mm-hmm. I, in general, do not make infusions from scented herbs. Mm-hmm. But sage infusion dries up breast milk and dries up... Um, underarm emanations. Hmm. And it's sipped, but it's not to be confused with a nourishing herbal infusion. Mm-hmm. So I try to make things simple for people because people tend to confuse things quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole idea of how we're going to use the herb, of course, is um, completely open. How do we want to use that herb? Given how we want to use it, how are we going to prepare it to get that particular ability from it? Mm-hmm. And so the answer to that will vary. You may have heard me tell the story about the the woman um, at the conference whose husband's doctor said that he had some cardiovascular problems and put him on these drugs, and she said, oh, we have such good, good herbs for that. And he said, yeah, well, you know, you don't have a license. You don't know what you're doing. She felt a little despondent about that, and she wanted to make something for him, and she decided to make a glycerin because she wanted him to taste something sweet. Mm. How lovely, huh? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've, many, I've never times, many times we kind of get involved in the dominant culture paradigm, which is stronger is better. Mm-hmm. But I don't n- necessarily see that. There are times when I want something that isn't as strong. Hmm. I never much liked valerian until I made valerian flower tincture Mm. because it's so much less strong. Wow. So please don't limit yourself. 
Okay. Yeah. I, um... There are some optimum ways to do things, and I'm happy to share those with you so that, so that you know, the, the things you do work out easily and well and you get the results you want. But my intention is never to say that there's only one way to do something. Right. Yeah, no, that's good to know. I mean, I, everything that I've learned, I kind of learned by myself. And then when I found um, your books and your radio show, then I've just learned, like, I just was able to really deepen that because I didn't really find anyone else that was speaking to me the, the way that I could listen to your words. So I'm just Thanks. um Still learning a lot. <laughs> Thank you for continuing to learn. It's one of the best things about working with plants is that we get to learn something all the time. There's never, ever any end to it. Yes. Yeah. So um, we come, and- come with curiosity, and we come knowing that it's very hard to do it wrong so long as you're using nourishing and tonifying herbs. Ah, uh, okay. That is... Definitely true. So long as we're not putting herbs in capsules or, you know, tincturing them in high from the dried herb with high proof alcohol and trying to turn them into drugs. Yeah. Right. And it, I think that it's one of the things that our hearts are very gladdened by is the idea that, oh, herbal medicine doesn't have to be a wannabe stepchild to, to pharmacy. Mm-hmm. It can be its own nourishing, tonifying thing. Yeah. And thank you so much for loving this cat so well and taking care of this cat. What's this cat's name? Kenzie. Oh, okay. <laughs> so all of us can send a little yum to Kenzie. Yeah. One last, do you have any recommendations, recommendations on books? For animals and herbs, or there's probably it doesn't seem like the there herbal is. handbook for farm and stable by Juliet Berkeley Levy and any other book she wrote on animals. Oh, okay, uh, Juliet. As a matter of fact, someone once said to Juliet, "Juliet, you've only written books about herbal medicine for animals. Why don't you write about people?" And she said, "But people can use all the things in my books for animals." <laughs> That's great. Is uh, it? Definitely... <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Juliet Levy. That's a woman who has her priorities straight. <laughs> yeah, okay. And her name is Julian Levy. Juliet. 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 Oh, DeBerically yeah. Levy, L-E-V-Y. Okay. And you'll um, not find those books um, at my bookstore uh, only because I can't get hold of them. They're published by Faber and Faber who is the original publisher for all of her titles. Faber and Faber has allowed me to have the rights to um, her book, Common Herbs for Natural Health, which is a book she wrote for people, and her book, Nature's Children, which is a book she wrote for children. I also have rights to her uh, books about her life, her autobiographical books, Summer in Galilee, Gypsy in New York, Spanish Mountain Life, and Traveler's Joy. So you will find a lot of books by Juliette DeBerkley Levy um, at the Wise Woman Bookshop. But the ones that I'm suggesting for you, the handbook for Farm and Stable, and um, I think she might have a specific book on the cat uh, by Faber and Faber, uh, are just a little more difficult to get. 
because Faber and Faber is an English firm, and they those are the real big sellers. Those are the Juliet gems, though. Common Herbs for Natural Health is a fabulous book, and I'm thrilled to be able to offer it to people. But I'm sure you will be able to get hold of it because, hey, we all have the capital I Internet where we can get anything we want, right? Yes. Okay. You have a good night now. I'm going to go on to the next caller. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you. Green blessing. Green blessing. The next caller is coming from the 908 area code. Hello, 908. Are you there? Hello. Hi. What's up? Hi. Um, I'm calling because I'm having some also eye um, projects. It, I, I'm having some puffiness and stinging and most like matter in my eyes. And I, I've still been functioning. It's been about two weeks, but I tried some homeopathic drops I had, which always help me with this kind of thing with my eye if anything comes up but this time I haven't had any any good results from it uh, it hasn't hurt but it hasn't seemed to help so i just reaching out to you it sounds as though there may be some kind of active infection going on in your eye is that what you're telling me I I I don't know. I've never had anything like this. You know, when my children were young, sometimes kids would get like a pink eye or something like that. Exactly, it doesn't yeah. seem to be like that. No, and there's nothing like that you can see or any actual matter building up. It's it's almost like so it's it's like you could imagine it's not there in a way, but but it is, but it is. something. Is there, yeah. Okay. So one of the reasons I'm not getting a really clear understanding mm. of what it is is that you don't have right. a really clear understanding of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So we're we're together here going, huh? Huh? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. it hurts, you say? A little bit. Like the very first symptom I had was I had um I was just driving and I got this like sting in my eye. I remembered it, but then, you know, it went away. And then uh, that hasn't really occurred maybe once or twice since then, but not not really again on the stinging, but just more sometimes I'll just feel like rubbing them. And now I feel like a little bit more like enclosed, like I, I don't feel like interacting with the world as much. So I know there is something going on. Well, let's think this through. Okay. We don't necessarily need to have a name for what's going on, but Mm -hmm. we can use descriptive words to help us think of herbs whose actions could affect those things. Yes. So some herbs are astringent, they make things drier. And some herbs are emollient, they make things moister. Mm-hmm. Which kind of thing do you think would work 
Well, I was thinking about the the dryness or the moisture earlier, and it didn't come clear to me except, like I said, there is a tiny bit more moisture than usual. So I guess that means they're needing to be drier a little bit. All right. So things like black tea are astringent. Mm. Okay. And it's pretty easy to get a black tea bag, yeah. a whole box of them, in fact, and mm. pour, pour, pour some boiling water over it, let it steep just a little bit, and then put that not-too-hot black tea bag right on your eye. Okay. This is an old beauty trick to get rid of puffiness. They're also puffy, so that's good. So there you go. One more yes for astringency. Yeah. Get rid of puffiness. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are herbs that help counter infections if we think that there's an infection. And usually the sign of infection is that there's pain or redness or an exudate. That's like something coming out? Yeah. Okay. Exuding. Um, what's that? Exuding and exudate. Oh, exuding. Got it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, I was with my daughter and her boyfriend yesterday, and I asked them to look at my eyes and if they could see anything, because I just noticed the puffiness, but I didn't notice any redness or anything like that. Uh And they both said they look fine. They look fine. So let's then say that we don't need an herb to counter infection. I don't think so, but it is odd that it hasn't gone away if it's something, well, what is it? I don't know. Again, we don't need to name it. Yes, true. It's really not necessary, except in Magical Greens, to name something. (laughs) Okay. Right? (laughs) Which is incredibly important. Okay. Um, because we're not trying to deal with the name anyhow. We're trying to deal with you. Exactly. And so we can work from what you're experiencing mm-hmm. and see if the herbs that we have that can counter that experience can be helpful to you. Okay. Uh, you know, as you use that, cucumber is also astringent. You okay. may have heard me talk about um, pumpkin, cucumber, any of the cucurbits sliced and laid on the eyes are quite astringent. Okay. Okay. The other thing that I do in this kind of situation where something is a little opaque to me yeah. is I fling myself upon the mercy of the grandmothers. Okay. And before I go to sleep, I say, 
please tell me what I need to know here. If there's something I need to know, if there's something I need to do, please let me know I'm being kind of dense. Okay. You're going to have to come in and like really, you know, knock on the bell there so that I get it. And if there's something I really need to pay attention to, wow, my dream really tells me. And again, it's not just you're asking for a dream, please tell me what's wrong, what this is, but more of what do I need to pay attention to, what do I need to do, and be willing to take things, not just at face value, but at symbolic value. Let's see if she calls back in because her call did drop. Oops. Oh, here she is. Oh, good. Hi. Hello? Yes, so did you hear me talking about dreams? I just heard you say um, you're going to have to really come in here because I'm being kind of dense, and then you were gone. Right, and that that we're not asking the grandmothers to tell us what's wrong or to give us a name, but to simply help us understand either through literal things or through symbolic things Mm -hmm. how to incorporate this in order to be healthier. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I don't think anything terrible is going on with your eyes. I don't think, from what you're saying, I don't think mm-hmm. you have attached retina. No, no. I don't think you have a scratched cornea. No. So I, I, I. From what you're saying, it sounds to me as though you're pretty safe experimenting with different herbs and plants and seeing what your eyes need. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll try those, and um, if I have, you know, whatever happens, I'll report back. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I was just going to ask you. You were. (laughs) I was. Okay. I will. Thank you. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. All right. The next caller is coming from the 207 area code. Hi, Susan. This Hello. Is um, I'm happy to speak with you tonight. So happy. And um, I'm just so honored that you are my teacher and proud, proud to say it to anyone. And, um, so what I wanted to ask about tonight is um, I'm interested in connecting with my ancestors. This is like the first step into it, and so I was looking for a little guidance. Um, I'm not even totally sure what that means or entails, but it's I feel a calling toward it, and um, I'm not even sure why, maybe for guidance or for you know, some deeper meaning in life's experiences. Um, and I realize that we have millions or in a million ancestors, each person. And so <laughs> that seems a little confusing or overwhelming to me. Like, oh, my gosh, um, whoa. <laughs> yeah. How far back do you want to go? So on the near horizon, there's genealogy. 
Yeah. So if we're looking at ancestors, we can say our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, and we can go back that way through genealogy. And it's fascinating and fun, and especially if you collect pictures of all of those people to set up a family tree like that. A mm-hmm. little further back and deeper, for which there won't be pictures or family anecdotes, is to send off to one of the many places that send you a little swab for your cheek, and then they get some of your DNA, and they tell you uh, about your ancestry. And that can be quite surprising and fun in a lot of different ways. My sweetheart did that. He comes from a big, incredibly intermingled Irish and Italian family. I mean, literally, like, brothers and sisters marrying you're right, like the brother in this family married the sister in this family, and then the, then the brother of that sister married the sister of that brother, and it was like, oh, my gosh. Anyhow, he didn't have any big surprises, <laughs> except years later, somebody got in touch with him and, and said, oh, you said, you know, that anybody who shared your DNA could get in touch with you, and I share your DNA, and I'm a long-lost cousin of yours. I was put up for adoption. Mm. And then we had a lot of fun trying to figure out which uncle it was. We figured it wasn't an aunt, because that would have been a family anecdote, but it must have been an uncle who was able to keep it quiet, right? (laughs) Or possibly didn't even know. So that's that's a, a little deeper back from that. Deeper back from that, usually we go by trance. Are you still there? I heard some clicking. I am still there. I'm just letting okay, the cat out of my room. <laughs> I understand. Um, so trances have the ability to help us enter into altered states and to make our way to specific times and places in those altered states. When we first start doing trance work, it's usually easiest to follow some sort of guide. And there are lots of trance guides um, that have recorded trances where you can follow them. After a while, you'll kind of start to get a pattern and how you want to do the pattern yourself. To be a little more specific, when I'm leading a trance, I have the people become First of all, aware of themselves, and then aware of their breathing. And then I have them imagine a crystal large enough to go into. As soon as they have imagined that, we have moved into the imaginal realm. And then I ask them to walk down or up. I actually don't specify which. I ask them to walk on a spiral staircase. And I count the steps as we go in that spiral staircase. And at the end of my count, we have come to a place. And people call that place by different names. It can be your secret garden, one of my favorite names. It can be your home base. It can be your Garden of Eden, whatever you want to call it. Um, And we're now... 
down even deeper in the trance. We entered at the imaginal realm, and we have now come down to the symbolic realm. We can go deeper from there if we wish. There's much to explore on the symbolic realm, but we can also go to a tree or a rock and sit by that and feel ourselves and feel our breathing and sink into the connection between the tree or the rock and the earth and to sink more deeply into that and to actually imagine that we are going underground. It is said that the shaman works in three worlds, the overworld, the inner world, and the underworld. At this point, we are going into the underworld. For most of us, the underworld is scary. So it's generally not suggested that beginners in trance go to the underworld and not by yourself. But as you become more adept, it's like living in a city, right? Because, oh, that city's so scary. Once you live in that city, it's like, eh, nah, you just stay away from that place and that place and everything's cool. Mm. So does that give you some ideas of where you might go to find ancestors? Yes, it does. And, um, you know, with Imbolc right around the corner, yeah. I was, and I would like to, you know, connect with the goddess Bridget. Yes. And I would like to connect with um, some Irish heritage or, mm. you know, I feel like I know that there's lots of ancestors and it's hard for me to be like, well, I want a specific out. An Irish yeah. herbalist back in the 1600s or whatever, but that's yes, kind of like what I'm feeling. Many years ago, there was a woman here who led a workshop at the Wise Woman Center about contacting your ancestors who were healers. Mm. And we did a variety of different trances. And one of them was, the first one that we did was find an ancestor who was a healer. Pretty general. I just find some ancestor somewhere, sometime, who was a healer. And afterwards, we shared. And one of the women said, well, I totally failed. The ancestor I found was not a, a healer. She was, I don't know, a hairdresser. And the woman who was leading the group said, tell me more. And she said, well, I, and, you know, you said to find an ancestor who was a healer and to spend some, some time with her while she was actively engaged in healing. And all she did was go from house to house and comb and braid women's hair. And the leader burst out laughing. She said, oh, she was a midwife. Mm. That's what the midwives used to do. They would have their rounds because people might live far apart. And so they would mm-hmm. go, you know, on their rounds to go into the houses and to connect with the women, brushing their hair. You can learn a lot about someone's health with their hair and then braiding it for her. Mm-hmm. And for us, for all of us, what it really helped us see was don't throw any of it away. Mm. You know, believe in what you get. Mm-hmm. 
right? Last week I told the story about stepping out of the ritual bath and my foot hitting the ground and saying, I am Iona, and feeling chagrined and horribly embarrassed. And it was seven years before I found out that Iona is the fairy island off the coast of Ireland. Mm. Have faith. Mm-hmm. Have faith in yourself and have faith in your ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be so open. There for you. And of course, I would be negligent if I didn't say that should you have the opportunity to go to Ireland and lay on the earth there, that is another way to contact the bone mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And of course, awesome. sending yourself there by trance is a good way to help you actually get there. Mm. Okay. Something to play around with. Explore. Good. Right. <laughs> For those those who have now heard the word imbolc twice and wondering what are these what are these women going on about? Imbolc is the Feast of Flames. It's February second. It is the true beginning of spring. It's hard to believe. But check it out, way back there, December 21st, at, at the winter solstice, that was the longest night. And every day since then, have you noticed it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter? And this is now the real turnaround time. Now, if you haven't noticed now, you are going to notice. You're going to notice the sun coming up earlier and going down later because we're come to the Feast of Flames and wow, spring is starting to sproing out there. Start watching those buds. They're going to start swelling for those of us in maple tree time. This is when we're looking for the nighttime temperatures to be below freezing and the daytime temperatures to be above freezing and that sap starts running through the trees. Oh yeah, things are happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking of trying to, of not trying, but of doing um, some sort of ritual. You know, I have a fireplace and a hearth in, in my special room and trying to, or coming up with some small ceremony or honoring of the day and the goddess and my ancestors. Perfect. Couldn't be better. Okay. All right. I know what you do will be just right. All right. I'll make it my own. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Green Green Good night. Good night. All right. Yeah, Brigitte, she actually came to me really strongly as well, and I'm. That's why I'm making this the <laughs> the first uh, women's group that I am offering because it's just like so so powerful. She's such a powerful yes! symbol, such a powerful oh, goddess. I like yes. <laughs> embodied and empowered by her. Like I used to like really resonate with like kind of like the green Tara energy. And you know Sarasvati, and and but now it's uh, kind of going back more to my my roots of Celtic and ancestry and stuff as well. So, <laughs> wow, yeah, that mm-hmm. that can be pretty strong stuff in us. Oh when yeah, we, yeah. When when we start to vibrate with that, um, it, it, some people have said, "Wow, it was like." Um, 
It was like I'd been trying to tune myself to the wrong note all along. Yeah. Yeah, I was always kind of like searching because, you know, that was part of the thing that we did while we were there is like finding the goddess archetype. And I'm always like, what is my goddess? But I couldn't exactly like get there until I got there. And then I was like, oh, yeah, you know, she is also kind of a motherless figure. And she has like all these similar qualities of I was like, wow, you know, like really um, just how empowered she is and with this flame. And um, when I was in India, this and I just kind of reclaimed my name too and did a sigil on it because my name means to bind and I felt really bound by my name. <laughs> and I was like, should I change my name? Ow. And so I did change it to like, you know, it's, you know, like having like this bright light that shines through me and it's been re- very powerful and Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah here we are yeah. yay <laughs> so, so yeah. if some of you are saying wait wait February 2nd isn't that isn't that Groundhog Day yes it's fascinating to me you know which of the the great wheel of the year holidays become kind of popular holidays but this one has really become incredibly popular holiday as Groundhog Day. And what does the groundhog do? The groundhog looks to see if there's a shadow. And if there's a shadow, well, it's six more weeks of winter, or maybe it's the other way around. If there's sun, it's six more weeks of winter. But at any rate, many groups used to call this the second winter, which was the cold winter. Yeah, it's going to be getting lighter and lighter, but it's also colder and colder. So it's kind of a, what? Right. People say it couldn't possibly be spring. It's too cold. Yeah. Well, we understand. So whether the groundhog sees a shadow or not, nonetheless, the earth is changing its angle toward the sun. That is what really makes spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're kind of having that fake-out spring right now where we're where we're at. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, somebody, yeah. somebody told me there was nettle up already in Oregon. I'm going to my spot tomorrow, actually, but I did plant some in my backyard in my new house, and there, and it's, but it never really died back because there was green on it, and it kind of got like under a bunch of like mulchy stuff. So I did see see it back there, and it's, it's yeah, it's uh, got some green tips, but it's barely coming out. <laughs> so we'll see tomorrow when I go to my spot. I did see a picture of somebody. It, they didn't live here, but they had like a whole basket of nettle tops that they had. They were making. Yeah. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> it's really early. <laughs> All right. So the next caller is coming from the 860 area code. Hello. Hi. Hi. Oh, uh, thank you for taking my call, Susan. I just have to say, um, you really saved me from the heroic tradition I was stuck in about 10 years ago and really harming myself. And sometimes I still get pulled back in there, so i got to keep referring back to your book. So I uh, I remember and uh, use the nourishing herbal infusion. So thank you so much for all your teachings. It really actually saved me. So really appreciate it. You are welcome. And I'm so glad that I could 
offer that to you, but you're the one who saved you because you're the one who picked up on it, and you're the one who's drinking those infusions. Well, yes, but it was finding your book. It came at just the right time, and I could not harm myself anymore. I was very uh, sick. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was just, and it, it turned me around. I, the first time I had medals, all of them, um, it was such an experience, uh, very spiritual too, connecting back to earth and the plants. And it's just been, and every every year since then, it's been better and better. So I just really appreciate it all. Me too. Drinking nourishing herbal infusions is not a fad. It's a something that becomes a lifelong thrill. Yes, it sure is. And my kids drink it. I got them started on it right from then they were one. So they don't know yes. the difference, so that's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's up tonight? Well, I, you know, uh, uh, maybe about seven or eight months ago, I started – I'm not a vegetarian, but I did start eating less meat and having, I have maybe flax seeds almost every day. And I do drink the red clover infusions, but what's happened is my, my cycles have gone from being every 30 days to now almost every 60 to 80 days. And I was just wondering if your thoughts are, could it be from eating less meat? Could it be from the flax seeds every day? Or if you had any, I, you know, it's starting to really stress me out because I, I did Can lose Can you tell me how old too. you are? I'm 42. In general, the first thing that would come to mind when a woman's period starts to lengthen out is that one of her ovaries is not making an egg. The ovaries take turns, and so on the odd-numbered months, the right ovary, and the even-numbered months, the left ovary, just for example, Mm-hmm. And so if you're basically skipping every other period, that would mean that that ovary for some reason isn't making an egg. And the primary reason it wouldn't be is because it's not getting the hormonal signals to do that. It's a little confusing because we think of the ovaries as having eggs, but they don't. They don't contain eggs at all because eggs are too big. They contain follicles, which are very small. And follicles develop into eggs. And the hormonal signals that cause the follicles to develop into eggs at the same time cause the endometrium to thicken. When the egg is fertilized, it produces hormones that keep the endometrium in place. So if that egg is not fertilized, then it can't produce that in the endometrium comes to the end of its life and is shed as the menstrual flow. Forty-two is a little on the young side, but not that terribly young to be in the very, very beginning stages of menopause. I think my mom went through menopause when she was, I asked her, she was more like 48 to 50. My sisters. Um, and how many children did your mother have? Uh, four. And how many children do you have? Three. I find that the number of children a woman has makes a, the biggest difference in when she goes into menopause. Oh, really? But more being... It has basis. very little hereditary basis. Oh. Okay. I, I thought it was strongly related to hereditary, you know, what your mom did. No. At least okay. not in my experience. Mm-hmm. 
So would it be more kids or less kids? It would be the more kids you have, the later in life one tends to go through menopause. Mm-hmm. So one way to answer your question is to take a couple of weeks and eat more meat. Or take a month. The flax? And, you think you the know, flax seed? How, in what way are you consuming the flax seed? Um, usually about two tablespoons. I grind them myself. Um, but I did uh-huh. kind of see on the, online that it can sometimes mess with your cycle. So I didn't know. You know and and why is it that you are consuming two tablespoons of ground flax seed? Uh, they just really help with regularity and um, you know, they keep me pretty regular. So I've tried other things, but the flax seeds really work well for me. Well, which is more important to have a regular period or regular bowel movement? <laughs> I guess the regular period. So then we may maybe better find something else like plantain seed or, um, you know, yellow dock tincture or... I am sure you've heard me talk about the apprentice who came here and told us that she had a bowel movement six times a year. And within four days, she was having regular daily bowel movements because I serve salad every day and I serve cooked greens every day. And I find that if people will eat sufficient fiber, that regularity is not a problem. Yeah, I could. I try to do the cooked greens, but I could definitely add more more fiber. Um, do you think it's the phytoestrogen in the flax seeds, or should I lay off the red clover? I'm just trying to think if there's anything. Estrogens are in every seed and every root. Are you seriously not going to eat any seed of any kind? You're not going to eat any nuts, any beans, or any grains? No, 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 definitely not. And you're not, not going to eat any carrots or any potatoes or any parsnips or any beets? Nope, that's like the basis of my diet, so... Phytoestrogens are everywhere. Let's not be picking on plants because they have phytoestrogens in them. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't think they, that there's actually any plant that contains any estrogen at all. They contain phytosterols, estrogens yet. Your body could make them into estrogens. But it's would be that the flax would have to decrease the estrogen in order for you to have be missing every other period. And they wouldn't really do that. Right. Yeah. Is there anything I could add in addition to the herbal infusions to help? I think you're right in trying to just add more meat. You know, I was just trying to eat less, but maybe I just need more. I did lose like uh, maybe five or six pounds. And so I didn't know if it was that too, you know, from eating less meat and just, so mm-hmm. I could try to eat more, see if that helps. But is there anything else I could add? Um, I did make some Don Kwai tincture. I only could get my hands on the dried root, though. Uh-huh. Um, I thought maybe Vi- adding that might help. Vitex is my favorite for women mm-hmm. who want to reset their clock. No, I did when I was up- in Arizona, I had a, a wonderful, wonderful time with um, – Nina was teaching me about the Bonnie Pruden approach, and she gave me a great Bonnie Pruden T-shirt, and it says, um, you can't turn back the clock, but you can reset it. And that's exactly what Vitex does. So Dong Kwai is never used alone in Chinese herbal medicine. 
It's considered to be dangerous to you when it's used alone. And, of course, it's a root, so it's loaded with phytoestrogens. Mm-hmm. So we're getting more of the same, right? Yeah, yeah. I did um, tincture it with oh, ginger. The vitex berry seems to reset the pineal to say, hey, let's not go into menopause yet. We still have some things we want to do. Usually, Vitex berries are tinctured, or they can be put in a pepper mill and ground up and added to food. That's how the monks used it. That's why it was called monk's pepper. And the dose is fairly large, three to six dropperfuls a day. And um, the word is that you might need to take it for months before you see real results. Now, I did try Vitex before, and it, I had a stomach ache after. I didn't know if it was um, that was a common side effect or if I should lessen the dose or if it was a tincture. I took a tincture. It did have grain alcohol because I, I bought it, you know, Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. And when you say stomach ache, I find the vast majority of people have no idea where their stomach is. If you, were to put your <laughs> you might be right. Your... It was probably more of an intestinal ache. <laughs> All right. Would it be above or below your belly button? It was definitely below, yep. Well, that ain't your stomach, is it? No, it's not. Okay, so you didn't actually have a stomach ache. And when did you have this belly ache in relation to taking it? Pretty much right after, um, and it happened again the next day when I took it. Well, let's think about whether or not it's possible for something you've just put in your mouth to already be in your intestines. Yeah, I guess you're right. So it would take a couple of hours before. It was probably about a half hour after. So I would think that if there was any reaction, it would be the grain alcohol. Certainly grain alcohol is poisonous. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It could be the grain alcohol. I didn't think of that. But I usually try to get, you know, the tinctures from, you know, either mm-hmm. one of the websites you recommend. If you're, going or, to be using, yeah. if you're going to be using Vitex tincture, it's certainly worthwhile to buy the dried berries and make your own tincture. Yeah, I could do that. And So the dried berries would be okay in, with Vitex? to make the tincture. What's the difference between a fresh berry and a dried berry? I'm not Not, sure. Not much, huh? Yeah. And I do have the honey-tooth vodka. Like a fleshy berry, right? It's like a little Mm -hmm. peppercorn. So it's like saying the difference between a fresh seed and a dried seed, there is basically none. Okay. Yeah, so I'll just make my own tincture then. That's a good idea. Yep. Yeah. And well, that way you can get your own 100-proof vodka. <laughs> yep, I got my own 100-proof vodka. I had a mortar for me at the liquor store, and it tastes so much better than any green alcohol tincture I've ever taken. Wow, doesn't it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so good, yeah. <laughs> good, yes. Yeah. Um, mm. well, oh, what fun it's been talking calls. to you. Rebecca, yeah, how many just... more people are waiting to be to have with their questions? We still have four callers. I didn't realize. Okay, well, I'm going to say goodbye, if that's okay to you, Green Blessings, and see if we can Green Blessings first into the last 20 minutes here. All right. The next caller is coming from the 512 area code. Hello. 
Hi, what's up tonight? Hi. Um, well, uh, so I am about 20 weeks pregnant. I actually spoke with you last week about something else, but I was calling tonight because um, I am experiencing a lot of um, varicose veins with my huh. pregnancy. Um, yeah, it's real. It's uh, pretty disheartening, honestly. Um, and I have uh, your book, Herbal for the Childbearing Year, and um, I'm looking at it right now, actually. And um, I mean, I can't say I've done everything in the book, but I guess uh, my main question, just based on what I've experienced so far, is, um, you know, I know that walking is really good for them, uh, and leg inversions, and those are obviously in the book, but, you know, I'm wondering if there are specific exercises that would actually be um, counterproductive or particularly strenuous on the veins. Some of the things that I was doing, like... is most is upside is upside down time. Mm-hmm. Upside down time can be. Do you have a couch somewhere? Yes. Can you lay on the floor with your butt up against the base of the couch and then your legs kind of on the couch? Yeah, I just did that for about 15 minutes while I was waiting. <laughs> How does that feel? Does that feel good? Yeah, it does. I just kind of feel yeah. like that's where I need to be all the time and it's depressing. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One better than that is if you can get your butt up against the wall and get your legs stretched all the way up the wall. Yeah, okay. Right. So the couch one is so easy and people are pretty comfortable with us when we're in that position. So you really can spend a lot, fair amount of time in that position. Um, Whereas when you've got your legs stretched up against the wall, people are not so interactive with you. But any amount that you can get of that inverted is great. What's happening is that the veins don't have their own ability to push the blood. So here's the heart, and it's pumping the blood through the arteries. So the arteries kind of have this push, pushing it all the way out to the capillaries, and then it comes back from the capillaries back into the veins. And now the push is really attenuated. There's hardly any push left. So the veins, and the veins are also working up, right? You've got to get the blood back up to the heart. The veins have these little gates or valves. So every time there's a little push, the valve opens and the blood pushes up the vein and then it shuts to keep it in place till the next push comes. And varicose veins are where those valves have collapsed. So what's usually used is direct astringents. We've been talking a lot about astringents tonight. Astringents are herbs that contract tissue. They shrink, shrink swelling in many, many different ways. Witch hazel is a classic herbal astringent, and it is still one of the few herbal remedies that you can walk into any drugstore and buy. Taking a piece of cloth, an old cotton diaper, uh, an old linen sheet, 
um, old flannel shirt and soaking it in witch hazel and then wrapping it around the leg with varicosity. And then putting your legs up. Woo! Amazing stuff. Yeah. Oak bark is also astringent. We've been talking about the astringency of yarrow. Witch hazel is the easiest one and can be bought, you know, in sufficient quantity to really, you know, put on your legs. And you can also just rub it on the legs. It's safe for external applications. When you mentioned the five-minute leg massage in your book, I was wondering if, you know, maybe the ointment that you have listed, um, comfrey, yellow dock, uh, root, those would be something that would be really good to use in the massage, possibly, or... Whatever you have would be excellent. Plantain is an astringent herb that is often used... Horse chestnut. And if by any chance you have a copy of Down There, you can go and look at the hemorrhoid section. And except, of course, for the information about hemorrhoids, um, everything in all of the remedies there are applicable to varicosaints. Because a hemorrhoid is a varicosaint. Mm hmm. Okay, um, I guess, you know, I I really like Pilates and um, things like that. I mean, as far as you know, is that I think that's safe fine. to do with varicose veins? I think that's I also, fine. Do you have a Pilates teacher that you work with? No, not anymore. Uh, not, I'm home a lot now, so, uh, you but know. You could call that teacher would know more specifically. Right, right, right. I understand. certainly know what Pilates is, and I've done some, but I do not have an expertise in that that I could say across the board everything that is done in Pilates is perfectly fine for somebody with varicosaints. Right. I don't know of anything that isn't, but that could just be the limit of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, I'm going to say green blessings and go on to the next person so I can hopefully talk to all four of you before I talk to Diana Lam. Okay, thank you All so right. much, Susan. All right, <laughs> good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 908 area code. Oh, I think we already talked to her. She was the one that called back in. Um, the 718 area code. So there's just this caller and one more after this then. Okay, good. Hi, Susan. Quick question. Hi. I was just... Um, going through some herbal tincture bottles that I have, and I found a bottle that says Avena Sativa, and I was just wondering what the benefits are for that. I am not familiar with it. Do you know what Avena Sativa is? I think it's like from the oats family. It is oats. Okay. Oats actually doesn't have a family of its own. Okay. Avena is the genus, which is oats, and it's a grass, so it's in the grass family, which used to be called the Gramaceae, because their grasses are grains, all grass seeds are edible, but there was a change, oh golly, about 
20, 25 years ago, and it's now the Poaceae is a family. So oats is in the Poaceae family, and Avena is the genus, and then Sativa is the species. So Avena Sativa is oats or oat straw, depending on which, which part of it you use. And usually the milky oats is tinctured. The milky oats is the oats at the same stage that you eat sweet corn. If anybody ever has shown you how to figure out if the sweet corn is going to be really good, what they showed you was to pierce a kernel at the tip of the cob of corn and to see if a milky fluid comes out. That's the milk stage of the grain, and every grain has that milk stage. Well, I that's, didn't know that. That's called grün corn if it's wheat and you're in Germany. Mm-hmm. And they sell grün corn, which is wheat at that at the milk stage, and it's oh, it's just delicious, and they make a variety of fermented beverages with it too. When it gets drier, it's the grain, then it's wheat, then it's oats. So that mm-hmm. milk stage of the oats is tinctured. You can buy the milky stage of the oats. And when people are, are buying oat straw for infusion, sometimes they say, am I supposed to get the milky oats? And I go, no, you want just the cheap oat straw. You don't want the milky oats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the milky oats is considered to be a, one of the world's greatest nervings. We don't talk too much anymore about women having nerves. But mm-hmm. 100 years ago, it was a big thing, right? Yeah. And the whole idea was that things made us nervy. Nowadays, the word we use is anxious. Mm-hmm. So tincture of oat straw helps to strengthen the nerves and allow women to be stronger in themselves. I tell the famous story of working with a woman in a store where there was a bell on the door, and every time someone came in the store, the bell would go ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling, and every time it would go ding-a-ling, this woman would jump out of her skin. Mm. It's extremely difficult to work with someone who's jumping out of her skin because it kind of makes you jump out of your skin, too. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody has got to get their skin back on and deal with the customer. And it's just like, really, like, whoo. So I decided that I was going to get this woman to be like, you know, not jumping when that bell rang. Because, golly gee, we were working in that store and there was that bell. So I figured I couldn't take the bell off the door, but I could get her stronger. So I started bringing oat straw infusion to work and getting her to drink it. And sure enough, in fairly short order, she stopped reacting. Wow. That's an amazing story. Thank you. You're welcome. So tincture of milky oats is said to be even faster acting and even better. I like infusion of oat straw because, as I've been talking about uh, here tonight, I'm more and more understanding that I don't want the herb to be more powerful. I want the herb to be more nourishing. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't want the herb to be as close to a drug as it can be. I want it to be as close to a food as it can be. 
On the other hand, should you or someone you know get to a situation which is really freaking you out, you'll be very glad you have that outstraw tincture. Okay, thank you. That was so helpful, Susan. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. All right. The last caller before Deanna arrives is coming from the 303 area code. Hello. Hi. Hi. I am um, in menopause. And um, I just experienced six months without a period. And um, I guess there's a part of me that uh, misses my blood. And I never thought I would say that. But um, how do you, um, I know, how do you have some kind of ritual to let go of your blood? Mm. In my book, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Away, I talk about the Crohn's crowning ceremony, which we have when we have been 13 months without our blood. Okay. And crowning certainly is something that happens at a coronation, right? I crown you queen. Crowning is also what happens when a baby is being born, right? Never had a child. Mm. As the baby is coming through the cervix, what we see is the crown of the baby's head and the cervix stretching and opening. And it looks like, it really does look like a crown around the baby's head, and it's called crowning. Makes sense. So we wait until we haven't had blood for 13 moons, 13 months. And then we have a crowning ceremony. We are now crowned as the crone, and we are also crowning because we are being born. We're like a baby. I feel like a baby. (laughs) A lot of um, adolescence. Yes. So um, six months is not the end of it's still the phase. You're right. You're still in menopause until you have um, passed that t- thirteen moons. And with the six, and it, I mean, it came. Um, but um, how do you do oh, with yeah. the grief? I've known women have gone right up to twelve months, and then whoop, they start bleeding again. Why am I grieving? Why are you grieving? Yeah, it feels like a a grieving. You are grieving, of course, because you are changing and you're losing something. Of course we're grieving. It was so consistent. Yes. It was something you could could time yourself by. Count on. Count on. Even if it was a bit of father. Rely on. Every month. Yes. And it says, I'm a woman. I'm fertile. Yeah. I'm losing that. You're changing it. Exactly. That's how I have to look at it. But it doesn't, um, how, how do I support but myself on that? Almost all of us have a time during menopause where we burst instantly into the, 
into tears at the sight of any baby. I have a baby upstairs, and the cry is beautiful. Yes. I hear the cry, and it makes me smile. Lovely. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm up as much as the parents, and it feels good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And it's sweet. Because it's, it's her you first know, it, prize, it, right? And I've not experienced kind of, that. Gosh, look what I'm losing! Oh my gosh, look what I'm gaining! That we feel when when our child grows up and leaves home, and Didn't we think that. don't ever leave yeah. me. Go fly, be your own being. But I could see that because this is a beautiful cry. Yes, because humans are complex, and we can have absolutely opposite emotions at the same time. Mm. And with that, I will say green blessings and welcome, Diana Lam. Thank you. Diana is a speaker, a workshop leader, an author, and a trailblazer in helping women worldwide harness the spiritual forces of menstruation and menopause. Diana is known as a womb visionary, and she's been leading workshops nationally and internationally for over 30 years. Years. Diana has authored a book called Becoming Peers, Mentoring Girls into Womanhood, and A Diva's Guide to Getting Your Period, which is in Italian, German, French, Spanish, Hebrew, Arabic, Portuguese, and English. Yes! And Diana, of course, is most famous for starting the Red Tents in Every Neighborhood Global Network and the International Red Tent Day, which is celebrated globally on November 8th. I am so thrilled to have Diana Lam with us tonight. Welcome. Thank you, Susan. This is beautiful to hear your voice and your presence from the other side of the continent. I'm glad to be here. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's see. You're a womb visionary. What does that mean? It means that I receive my inspiration from my womb, not from my head, and even not from my heart, even though I have conversations between my heart and my womb, but really the visions of my work and the guidance of what I've been doing all these years came from the womb, came from placing my hands on my womb and closing my eyes and receiving guidance from my womb throughout my bleeding years and my birth canal into cronehood and through menopause and now on the other side, I my visions come from my womb. And that was my favorite introduction ever, ever, ever in my life when Rosemary Gladstar at the International Herb Symposium got up and said, you know, I've introduced a lot of people who are really brilliant, and they speak to you from their their heads and their wisdom, and they're great. She said, I've introduced a lot of people who really speak to you from their hearts, and very loving people. She said, now the next person is brilliant, and she's very loving, but she speaks to you from her womb. (laughs) And I thought, wow, it doesn't get any better than that. Yes, you're right. You are right. Do we mean then that women who've had a hysterectomy can't do this, or are they included? Absolutely included. A woman has an etheric womb if her flesh and blood womb was removed because 
She was born with a womb. She grew up with a womb. And that place is her seat of power, whether it's there in the flesh or whether it's only there etherically, it is there. And she can continue to tune into it and to receive guidance from it and to be in communication with it regardless of her surgery. Now, you said that while you listen to your heart and while your womb and your heart dialogue, it's really your womb that's leading the conversation. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Most people are pretty familiar with being in their heart and speaking from their heart. How is being in your womb and speaking from your womb different? Well, our heart beats throughout our lives from the first breath to the last, and it has a pretty much the same rhythm of beat uh, of the drum of Mother Earth, of the heartbeat of the Earth throughout our lives. Our womb, on the other hand, expands and contracts, and it travels and journeys and dances with the moon every month, way from from the menarche time of our first blood and wait till the last breath that we take. Even after menopause, we still are expanding and contracting with the moon, even though we hold our blood and our magic within. So the womb, for me, is a guide to the dance. And not every day of the month is the same. You know, when I was I grew up in Israel, and I remember vividly one of the ads for one of the companies that was selling tampons and was saying with such and such branch um, every day of the month would be the same and I thought at the time it's a good thing (laughs) well of course it's not because it's not natural, it's not who I am it's not who we are, every day is not the same and the expansion, the contraction and and the seasonal changes and dance that we have every moon as well as through the the solar year of the seasons, is something that to me is represented by my womb. And my when I need to withdraw and to go inward, it is the womb that guides that, not my heart, and definitely not my head that says you have to work. <laughs> and when I'm guided to be out in the world and to create, it is coming from my womb because I'm allowing that to be that dance and that uh, rhythm this monthly pulse of of lunar uh, dance, I'm allowing that to be my guide. So the contraction, the going in of the womb, and the expansion then, Mm -hmm. putting that womb energy out. Yes. 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 Beautiful. Beautiful. Mm. Mm. What was there like an event that 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 caused you to recognize? I mean, let's let's face it; it's not like they didn't teach you that in school. <laughs> no, no. But um, I think I really think that my womb taught me that. I, I my my path on this uh, journey started when. I was, uh, I don't know, about 30 years ago, I was uh, accomplished in, in teaching and, and was qualified, whatever, as facilitator and what have you, social psychology and all of that, and co-ed and women and men. But once a month, my womb was, you know, playing havoc with me. So everything that was good for three weeks out of the month would be completely in shambles for the fourth week. And I started realizing that this is not something that by design we as women need to suffer, that we're not 
created by nature to suffer. It can't be. And it, I started looking into indigenous cultures, and I realized that it's not a mandatory. You know, our, our symptoms are not mandatory and are not happening as much when women honor their blood and live their rhythm. So I started to take my cues and my listening and my guidance then, at that point, from my womb. And what the first thing that I've learned was that... Um, well, my symptoms were mostly emotional. I didn't have much pain, but I had a lot of emotional cramps. I would be completely irritable, mostly with the people closest to me and mostly with my partner. And when I decided to begin to listen, and my womb was contracting and asking me to go in and close the door and shut the world out and be by myself when I was bleeding, guess what? I wasn't irritable anymore because there was no one to be irritable with. <laughs> <laughs> I know women. Women, you know, sometimes it's things I say look at me like, uh, uh, uh. But the thing that I get the biggest uh, uh, uh is, if you'll just take even a single take off when you bleed, you'll find your move, mood improves a lot, and they find it so hard to believe. Well, try closing the door. Who would they, who are you going to be irritable with the walls? <laughs> right, shut the door, shut it out. Right. Yes. And again, it's that sense of not trying to fix what's wrong with us. Well, I'm irritable. I shouldn't be irritable. I'm going to fix that. But yes. listening to it and saying, "Oh, yes. how do yes. I honor this?" Yes. And what is it asking me to do? What is it inviting me to do? What do I need right now? And if you ask it yourself what you need when you bleed, then mostly the answer comes from the depth of your womb is quietude and space and maybe just uh, curling up and daydreaming. But, you know, sh- space and, and sheer quiet. Your head will tell you other things, but your womb <laughs> really... <laughs> <Won't get that. laughs> you know, the most freeing thing that I ever heard, and my daughter told me this, I thought it was just wonderful, she said... Do you know that your mind is capable of thinking of ten times more things than your body could possibly do? <laughs> wow. And when my mind is going on, you know, and on and on about all the things I haven't done, I just like pull that out and I go, do you know that you're thinking of ten times more things than I could possibly do? So just chill. Yes. Just chill. Exactly. Just chill. <laughs> yes. yes. Exactly. So... <laughs> So there's wisdom in the womb, yes. and that wisdom is there whether we have a physical womb or not, Absolutely. if that womb was surgically removed. So does that mean then that womb wisdom continues throughout our lives and that menopause doesn't end it? Absolutely. The womb is still there, again, flesh and blood or etheric only, the womb continues to be our seat of our power for the rest of our lives, from menarche and until the last breath that we take. And we are lunar beings from menarche until the, the end of our lives. So once we have birthed ourselves into the lunar cycle with our menarche, we continue to dance this dance, to expand and contract emotionally and, and in terms of our needs and our our, our psyche, if you like, uh, every month, and 
we have the what I see as the birth canal, which is the time between um, our bleeding years and our crone years. So it's, there is a birth canal where we're birthing the crone. You just I was giggling to myself. There was coming to to the show five minutes before my time to come on the air, and there was a question about menopause. And you beautifully talked about the crowning of the baby and the crowning of the crone. And this is dovetails exactly with with what I wanted to say now, which is that the birth canal, from when our blood begins to let us know that it is going to leave us, it's not here forever, and it becomes erratic and irregular and long and short and skips and dormant and comes back, that's our birth canal. We are we are birthing ourselves as wise women. We're birthing ourselves as crones until the time of the crowning, which, like you said, 13 moons after, we are born as wise women. We're born as crones, but we are still lunar. We still have the dance of our psyche, of our emotions, of our needs around the moon cycle every month of our lives, but we no longer need to shed blood from our womb in order to be part of the dance. It is now dancing us from within. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) It feels so good. (laughs) I was thinking about the other night, the full moon was so low in the sky. It was shining right in my bedroom window, and it woke me up. Wow. Oh, my gosh. The moon said, come out and play. What are you doing? Come on. Come on. What are you doing sleeping? What are you doing sleeping? This is Susan Weed, and I am talking to Donna Lom. If people want to get in touch with you, let's tell them right now how how they best get in touch with you, and then we'll repeat it later on. All right, so my website is my name, dianalam.com, so I'll spell that, D-E-A-N-N-A-L-A-M, dianalam.com. And when you go there on my first page, my home page, there is a womb wisdom gift, which I wanted to give to any woman that lands on my page. And you can sign up for it, and you will receive a report that is uh, looking at the womb wisdom from menarche to menopause and beyond, which is what we're talking about now. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is go to D-E-A-N-N-A-L-A-M-D-O-N-A-L-A-M.com and you will get a free gift. And who knows, you may even become part of the womb wisdom tribe. So let's talk a little bit about red tents because they're so close to my heart and your heart. Yes. Yes. I am very curious to know um, what made you decide you wanted a red tent in every neighborhood? Well, I do believe, Susan, that if and when, not if, when we have a red tent in every neighborhood, the world would be a different place. You know the book by Judith Dwarek with the, this, this monolithic question of how would our lives look like if there was somewhere for us to go to? How would your life look like if there was some place for you to go to when you started to bleed, to sit with the mothers and the grandmothers and the aunts? So since she asked this question in the 70s, 
which I was uh, not, I didn't read it when she wrote it, I was too young at that point, but since I came across that question that shook the foundation of my uh, realization of how my life would have been different, I realized through my work that 99.9999% of women living today have not been welcomed to womanhood when they came of age. Not only that there wasn't a place for them to go to, there wasn't even an acknowledgement in their own family. So Red Tens would be a place for every girl that becomes a woman and for every woman for the rest of her life to be celebrated and seen and witnessed and welcomed at any point, in any transition in her life, from menarche, um, through birthing, through uh, partnering, through croning, through everything in between, it's a place where women of various ages sit together and hold space for each other. And I really, truly believe that if there, when there is one in every neighborhood, that the world would be a different place because women would feel the pride of who they are and they would have a place to go to express it and from there it would be a launch pad where they will go into the world knowing their worth rather than how they are today when their their worth is often very very depleted yeah i was so moved when a grandmother of the great peaceful nations told me that in their coming of age ceremony what they say to the young girl is that Now you are menstruating. Now your womb has become the creative force. And our entire culture and what happens in the future for all of our people depends on what you allow into your womb. And I still get goosebumps when I say it. Yes. Yes. My gosh, if I had been, how crazy I was as a teenager, but if I had been told that, if I had understood that, how different my life would have been, as you just said. Yes, yeah. Thank you for saying that. This is profound. It truly is. I have a a great card in my uh, dining room that somebody sent me when I was working on down there, and it says, act like you have diamonds between your legs. <laughs> yes, and you do. <laughs> and you do, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I always like to, you know, give a bow to Anita Diamant who wrote the red tent, yes. and to Anita's disavowal of the red tent as being anything real. Yes. Anita, over and over again, I made it up. I made it up. It's not real. It's not real. And then we just say, that's fine, Anita. Don't worry. We're making it real. Yes, exactly. You just wrote about it. We're the ones who are making it real because it didn't have to have been real to be real now. Absolutely. And it may have not been real, quote, unquote, by the name Red Tent, but moon lodges were here from time immemorial and women gathered when they bled together, whether they call it Red Tent or not. It doesn't matter. They did gather. Without electric light, all women bled at the same time. Exactly. With the big app in the sky. Right. As you said, we're lunar. And when when I'm talking at Moon Lodge, 
sometimes I talk about how we did some kind of strange things as human beings, and one of them was to disconnect fertility from the sun. And that everything else of our ilk has fertility that is more connected to the sun and sunlight. But we made it hidden and lunar. Yes. Yes, it's true. It's true. I and some of the, I mean, the oldest cave painting from the oldest ancestor is a woman with her hand on her belly, below her belly button and just above yes. her mons, holding up a horn with 13 marks on it. Yes. Absolutely, yeah, and that's uh, from the work of Maria Gimbutas. Yes, yes, yes. This is the first calendar, and the first calendar on Earth was the lunar calendar of our 13 lunations in a solar year, and this is the rhythm of our womb. Right. Yeah. And from the point where the follicle begins to develop into an egg to the point of menstruation is 13 days. And that part does not change. The part that can change is how long it is between menstruation and the next yes. follicle becoming an egg. Yes. Yes. But the but it's set from the egg to menstruation. Again, we have that thirteen, the number of women. Yes. The number of women's power, the number that can't be divided. Exactly. Congratulations on a diva's guide to getting your period. (laughs) Thank you. It's such a wonderful book. Tell us about it. Well, it is. um, It was born from a a woman that wanted to accompany her uh, Jessica Jarman her name is and she uh, has a business that uh, she creates moon pads she creates uh, reusable menstrual pads and she wanted to create a booklet for girls to give with her pads when she sells her pads for the girls or to the moms of the girls and she said uh, she came to me and she said I want you to write it because I'm not a writer I'm an artist she's the wonderful illustrator of the book so that's what prompted it and um, what I'm receiving from hearing from all the moms that buy this for their girls is that before they give it to their girls, they sneak a read themselves. It's a short booklet. It's not a long read. And it's full of art, which is very soothing to the soul. And they all say, I read it and the maiden within me, the girl that I was when I started bleeding and wasn't welcomed, is benefiting from me reading this. So I bought it for my girl, but really, I bought it for me. So I wrote it for that, for the girl inside each woman, as well as for today's girls, to have a sense of the lineage of where they come from to have a sense of the power of menstruation and how indigenous cultures viewed it and uh, what does it mean to get pregnant, how can you get pregnant. So all of these are uh, discussed in the book book very uh, briefly in terms of it's not a long dissertation, it's really written for girls um, and um, I've received feedback from so many girls around the world. It's been translated into eight languages, and I'm delighted that, you know, French girls and Portuguese girls and Italian and German and Spanish 
uh, an Israeli and Palestinian in Hebrew and Arabic are reading it and are receiving the welcoming that their mom never had. Me too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Period. Still in print. Do you remember that book? I remember that book. I it, was it in print or not? I can't tell you. Oh, I'm sure was, the libraries have it. That was yeah. That was so great. Yes. Yeah. That was. It, it, you know. I actually haven't seen your diva guide. I have, I have to get it so that I can see it. Uh, but it, it was making me think about period, which covered those things in yes. Wells, just beautifully illustrated and so inviting yes. as well. And um, to me, that's so important that you are reaching out to girls. Yes, yes. I think that's important to you too. It's very important for me because this is there is a thread that connects us as girls and as women around the globe. And uh, the fact that we all start becoming lunar at some point in our adolescence is, is a connection that we have around the world. So not only that I wish the girls to be welcomed and I want to be part of their welcoming, I really would like them to see themselves part of, of a global thread of the blood sisterhood between us all over the world. And um, one of the things that I've done with the translations in every country is that I realized and wanted to acknowledge that every country and every culture has their own sense of beauty and their own sense of aesthetics. So in each of the translations, we have a local artist from that country that illustrated the book. So they're not all the same. They don't even have the same name because when I started having it uh, translated, I was told by my translators, well, you know, in Italian the word diva means something completely different. So we played with what would speak to the girls in each country. So there are titles like um, Dancing with the Moon in Italy and Germany, uh, Daughters of the Moon in the Arabic translation, a girl, a maiden, a woman in the Hebrew translation. Um, so each one, each country has not only its own title, even though the book is the same, but the message that the title brings to the girls and the art brings to the girl is um, really designed by that country, country, that culture, to be the most inviting to the girls of that region in the world. How beautiful! How how very blessed to to know that. It was quite a shock for me when my first book was published in German, and <coughs> what they did was they took all the illustrations out of it. Oh, and that's what I said. I said what? And they said, No, you don't understand. If there are illustrations, it will not be taken seriously. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I said, I said, Susan, just let it go because it's not just words that are translated. The whole culture has to be translated yes 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 you can't just like take your thing and like crowd it into another culture no it's got to like bend and flex and 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 be with it yes if you want to communicate and be really received yes yeah yeah exactly Wow, we're coming to the end of our time together. I could talk to you for so long. I really enjoy you, Diana. Thank you so much Thank for gracing you. us with your prayer tonight. Thank and you. And we said that we...
that we want to um, tell people how to get in touch with you again. Yes. So my website is dianalam.com, D-E-A-N-N-A-L-A-M.com. And I invite you to come visit. There is a little video there that speaks about the journey from menarche through the cycling years through menopause and beyond. And there is a womb wisdom gift for you, whichever phase of your journey as a woman you are in, that uh, womb wisdom gift is going to address that. Excellent, excellent. Well, here at the very end of the show, Rather than ask you any of the questions that you've provided me with and what wonderful questions you gave me, I instead ask you a question that I ask everybody. Yes. What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds and the wombs <laughs> of everybody who's listening to you tonight? Well, I would answer with the question itself by saying the womb. I would like to leave the womb as an equal, if not greater, weight of influence in your life, side by side or leading before the heart and the mind. The mind is an advisor that could get you to achieve things which uh, are linear and uh, orderly and organized, and it, it has its place. The heart would allow for compassion, for connection, for empathy, for all of, of the relational things between you and the world. Your womb will be the one that would lead you back to yourself. So I would like to leave you with the idea that the womb is your seat of power, this is your compass, and this is your guide, and bring it into your conversation with yourself. When you're talking with your heart or with your head, bring it up or consult with it first. Wow. That's fabulous. Thank you. Yes. Bring your womb into the conversation. If at all possible, listen to it first. Yes. This is Susan Weed who's been graced by the presence of Diana Lam here this evening in our talk and in her life and in the world. Hooray, red tent mm. in every neighborhood. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Diana, for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. Mm. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Thank you, Susan, for your beautiful <laughs> words and your embrace. I feel embraced by you. <laughs> I love you. I, lo- I love your work. Hooray for Thank Red Tent. You. Thank you. And for your work. Indeed. Thank you. Mm. It's a pleasure to be here. And to speak with you. And mm-hmm. good night, Rebecca. And good night, Justine. And green blessings 
to mm-hmm. each and every one of you. And remember, if you like the way that the International Herb Symposium is acting, be sure to let them know. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you, everyone. Good night. <laughs>